0: Welcome to Porter Wright's Antitrust Law Source.
1: Good afternoon. Uh, This is Jay Levine. You're the moderator of Antitrust Law Source um, and the podcasts that go along with it. Uh, I'm very pleased uh, to tell you today that we have actually a few uh, people in the room. Uh, Let them identify themselves um, as well, but this will demonstrate the kind of interdisciplinary approach we bring to privacy matters. And what we really wanted to do is to um, kind of tell you about what has been going on in privacy and data security in the uh, past few months and uh, give our perspective on what you might likely see in the next few months. Uh, first off is uh, Ryan Graham. I think you've heard from him before. I'll let him introduce himself, but he'll be talking about kind of the status of data breach uh, litigation. So,
0: Ryan? Thank you, Jay. And as Jay mentioned, my name's Ryan Graham. I'm in Porter Wright's litigation department. And so what I'm going to be discussing is some recent decisions, both in data and privacy security, especially class actions, which tend to be... Um, the most headline grabbing of lawsuits and data and privacy security. Um, but also a recent Supreme Court decision, that Supreme Court de- Supreme Court decision is Spokio V Robbins. And the issue in Spokio, as some of you may be aware, Spokio is effectively a background check search engine where either companies or individuals can type someone's name or information, and then they receive, Um, background information whether or not the person has good credit where they live and what type of uh, what type of money they make and information like that and so what the claim was in Spokio is this gentleman found that the information that was returned on his search results was actually inaccurate Um, it said a bunch of things that weren't true And what he claimed is that the employer may rely on that false information to his detriment. Effectively, what Spokio said is that he was gainfully employed and he wasn't. He was searching for work. And so the issue that came up was standing um, because what he alleged was that he was harmed in the form of a technical violation of the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And as you're aware, because we've talked about it on these podcasts before, and it's kind of a big deal just in general— Um, The issue of standing is large in data breach litigation because there's this question of if your data has been breached, have you actually suffered harm that you can bring a lawsuit? And so the holding in Spokio was that the harm that a plaintiff pleads must be particularized and concrete. But there is also language in Spokio that says the risk of real harm can satisfy the requirement for concreteness. And the Supreme Court remanded it back. So this is a post-Clapper decision that deals with Article Three standing, and the implications of Spokio remain unclear. And the reason I say that is because in another ongoing case that is a consumer uh, consumer class action over a data breach, uh, Storm the Paytime Incorporated. There, both sides of the both sides of the litigation, both the plaintiffs and an amicus on behalf of the company have cited Spokio, and the plaintiff's reply brief, um, arguing against dismissal, cites the language in Spokio that the risk of real harm can satisfy the requirement of concreteness, arguing that they effectively have standing and that the data breach litigation should not be dismissed. Now on the opposite side, Horizon Healthcare, which filed an amicus in the case, also cited the Spokio arguing against standing because the injury has to be concrete. So what's interesting about Spokio is that it's already been latched on by both sides of the spectrum, both those arguing that plaintiffs should have standing and not have standing, and used to further the arguments in those positions. So the helpfulness of Spokio has yet to really be determined and fleshed out in a data, data breach class action context. Other significant decisions um, include Lewert v. P.F. Chang's China Bistro. And effectively, for those who know, um, the Neiman Marcus decision in the Seventh Circuit uh, was one of the most important cases in class action data breaches because there, the Seventh Circuit effectively found or held that the plaintiffs had standing based on their reasonable belief that their information had been stolen for nefarious purposes by these sophisticated cyber actors. And they um, conferred standing among the plaintiffs. They effectively um, overruled the district court's dismissal and reinstituted the lawsuit. So what P.F. Chang's big decision was is it effectively confirmed and solidified the Neiman Marcus decision. And it held that the plaintiffs described the same kind of future injuries as the Ramirez plaintiffs did, the increased risk of fraudulent charges and identity theft. These alleged injuries are concrete enough to confer standing. So for the purposes of the Seventh Circuit, um, they've now twice ruled and more or less confirmed that these types of injuries, the risk of identity theft and fraudulent charges, are sufficient to confer standing. So motions to dismiss in the Seventh Circuit may not get the same amount of traction um, as they would in other circuits. That decision came out on April 14, 2016. Additionally... Recently, in March of this year, um, the Sixth Circuit heard oral arguments in the case Gallery of Nationwide Mutual Insurance. And that was a data breach that affected 1.1 million people. Um, And it didn't deal, the key thing there is it didn't actually deal with uh, financial information. It wasn't lost credit card information. Rather, it dealt with insurance-related PII. And so the Southern District of Ohio in that case granted dismissal, relying in part on Clapper, stating that the plaintiffs did not have standing. And so this went up to the oral argument. And although oral arguments, it can be difficult to um, prognosticate off of them, to make predictions off of them. uh, Some of the judges opined that it would be very hard to put these facts into a Clapper framework. And they questioned whether or not the loss of privacy itself was was sufficient injury to constitute standing. So, again, while oral arguments may not indicate the way that the judges will go, they at least indicated that they may not hold to the clapper framework to deny standing, Um, which, again, if they did that and joined the Seventh Circuit to confer standing on consumer data breach uh, class action plaintiffs, it would further effectively solidify this rift between the circuits where some of them dismiss based on Clapper, Clapper and others such as the Seventh Circuit confer standing. So something to watch.
1: Yeah, let me ask you a question. In, in the P.F. Changs, it, it was interesting. They try to, they try to argue that, um, I think, that, listen, the data breach, the plaintiff's stuff probably wasn't stolen because they didn't eat at the, at the location where the data was stolen yet the Seventh Circuit didn't seem all
0: that um, sympathetic. That's right and I mean they made the same kind of argument actually in the Sixth Circuit um, uh, at oral arguments in the nationwide case and the judges in both of those cases said we need to take these pleadings as they are for the purposes of dismissal. Um, the fact that the plaintiffs may or may not have eaten at those restaurants goes to the merits, it goes to the evidence, what you're able to provide, um, but at this stage we simply need to take the pleadings as they're pled, and they pled that they did get those restaurants, that their information was, um, was stolen, and that that information would reasonably be used for nefarious purposes. And so for the purposes of pleading, um, the judges held that that was sufficient and rejected the arguments uh, you know, that P.F. Chang's made and that Nationwide made and said, that gets into the merits, so we aren't going to consider that on a motion to dismiss.
1: Okay. Um, anything going on sort of industry-wide?
0: Yeah, there are some, uh, some industry updates. Um, one of them, one of the industry updates, is that the uh, Retail Industry Leaders Association uh, sent a letter to Congress voicing opposition to a data breach bill. As many of you know, um, federal data breach law is something that everyone seems to want, but no one seems to be able to put the pieces together to actually pass a meaningful federal data breach statute. Of course, certain aspects of data breaches are either um, governed by GALIBA um, or governed by HIPAA, uh, which have certain reporting requirements, but there's no overarching federal statute. And so um, the key here is the Retail Industry Leaders Association were arguing against a particular bill that would have effectively used the standards in place for the financial sector and applied them to the retail industry sector. And the retail industry leaders were saying that works for the financial sector, but this would effectively, I mean, the argument seemed to be that it would effectively result in either over-regulation or improper regulation over the retail industry. And additionally, it doesn't really get to the heart of the primary issue. There are two primary issues that are holding up federal legislation, Um, one of them is whether or not the federal law would preempt state laws, which, of course, the attorney generals would not want a federal law that preempted state laws. They've made that quite clear um, because they want to be able to regulate beyond the federal law. The federal law, they want to perhaps set a bottom line or a standard, but they want the ability to protect their own consumers. And then the other major issue is whether or not the law would include an individual cause of action um, or whether or not it could only be brought by state's attorneys general. Um, And there is a big issue that your retailers or your industry side um, professionals have because, of course, if you open up a private cause of action, then the issue of standing that we've been discussing goes right out the window because there'd be statutory standing and the courts would simply no longer consider that analysis and you'd have to start moving beyond motions to dismiss um, and considering the merits of each data breach case. So the long story short is that although the retail industry leaders did this, it's continues to be much ado about nothing, um, and the idea of a federal data breach law remains pretty gridlocked. Um, Another uh, industry update is um, here in Columbus, uh, where Wendy's is headquarters. Wendy's recently announced in a press release that their um, data breach is larger than anticipated. So there's over 300 franchisees affected, and what's kind of key here is that there's indications that payment cards may have been used fraudulently. So earlier we were talking about standing, And one of the big litmus tests for whether or not a plaintiff's class action or plaintiff's data breach will have standing is whether or not there was fraudulent activity on the cards. And here there was. Um, Additionally, uh, the investigation revealed a variant in point of sale, um, in the point of sale malware that was used to affect this data breach. So the other thing that this, uh, this press release is telling about is just when you think you have your arms around a data breach as a company. You may reveal more through your investigation than you originally thought, and you may have a bigger issue than you originally thought, both from the perspectives of potential litigation and potential exposure to litigation, but also just in terms of notification and in terms of getting your arms around the actual issue and ensuring that no further of no more of your customers are harmed by the issue that led to the initial breach. Okay
1: great.. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed this cheerful discussion of what uh, of what uh, is going on in the privacy and data security world. It is ever changing, and it is um, you know you sort of obviously need uh, to stay on top of things. Um, but uh, who's going to enact the legislation? Who's going to have the enforcement? And it also looks like every U.S. agency wants some hand in enforcing the people they govern. So um, that will also be uh, very interesting as to whether they ultimately come up with different definitions of what is reasonable data security procedures. I, I gather they could rationalize that because it depends on the industry they govern. You know? What may be, what may be work for healthcare may be something different that works for banking and something that works different for retail. But I guess we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to see. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed. This is Jay Levine, um, the moderator of Antitrust Law Source. Uh, you can reach me at Levine at com or at J-A-Y-L-L-E-V-I-N-E, um at Twitter um, or obviously on LinkedIn. And Ryan?
0: You can reach me um, via email at r-g-r-a-h-a-m at com. I am not on Twitter.
1: Okay, that's going to change. Uh, thank you guys for, uh, for participating. Thank you all for listening and have a great day. Take care.
0: Porter Wright Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. This content is not intended as legal advice for any purpose and you should not consider it as such. All rights reserved.